Thank you, choir. Mulkey, that was wonderful. Thank you, Roger, for that guitar playing. We can always enjoy the guitar. Year, years ago, um, <laughs> uh, years ago, uh, Christopher Walken did a skit on Saturday Night Live where he was a record producer. And he said, I've got a fever and the only cure is more cowbell. Uh, that's, that's how I feel whenever I hear the guitar. Uh, it's, it's always good to hear as much guitar as possible. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this season of Easter, the season of joy and celebration, a season of thanksgiving. And as we sit here and enjoy, we also sit here in anticipation for the word which is about to be read and the movement of your Holy Spirit. We ask that these words that were written so long ago will come to life, come to life for us today, that they will speak a deep truth into our hearts that will ignite us and inspire us. We ask that your Holy Spirit will move upon us during this time as we sit here and wait in the presence of each other and in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 36 through 43. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week, uh, Easter Sunday was um, the beginning of a, a series that I've, I've decided to call Here Comes the Sun. We are in the season of spring where the sunshine uh, is a little bit more prevalent. The birds are singing a little bit uh, more loudly. The uh, flowers and trees are in bloom. And many of you noticed last week as we were out at uh, Burton's Pond, uh, just the signs of spring and the signs of life were all around us. Even as we sat up there and ate breakfast, uh, we even saw some, some hummingbirds make their way to his, his feeder. And as the season progresses, we'll begin to see more and more of that. Well, just like spring, Easter is also a season. Sometimes we think of Easter as being this one Sunday, this one day where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in actuality, it is an entire season where we reflect on what this resurrection means for us. And I'm glad that it's an entire season because Lent is an entire season. 
and it feels like it just drags on and on. So it's good to have a season where we can, uh, where we can just spend some time in joy and in thanksgiving. And of course, uh, the resurrection should not just be um, thought about, pondered, reflected on during the Easter season because the truth is, as believers in Christ, we are Easter people. We are people that live always with the hope of resurrection. When we lose a loved one or a church member, we have a service for them. And and if you look in the book of worship uh, or in the hymnal, the service is called a service of death and resurrection. Um, We come together at funerals and we say that we are here to celebrate the life of someone. But we aren't just celebrating life, we are also celebrating the resurrection. We are looking forward to the day when we all experience that resurrection. And we do that even in the midst of death, even in the midst of grief. We celebrate the joy that is resurrection. And it's the same way with spring. When we, when we uh, think about the, the life that's coming uh, to be all around us and we hear the birds and we see the, the plants and all of that. We, it's not just that we are celebrating that life. We are celebrating the fact that we are coming out of something that was dark and was cold. We are coming out of the winter. Here Comes the Sun was a song written by the Beatles. Uh, and of course, sun was spelled S-U-N, not S-O-N. But one of the lines is, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. and I see the ice slowly melting. And we can all approach the Easter season with that same uh, thought, with that same reflection in our hearts, that we are coming out of the winter. We are coming out of a season of darkness. We are coming out of our own sin. Even as we leave this earth, we are coming out of death. And we are being welcomed into the resurrection that we share with Jesus Christ. Now, this passage that we read today uh, is, is after the resurrection. The disciples had just seen Jesus uh, on the, uh, the road to Emmaus, and they had spoken with him. And, uh, and then as they were gathered together with the other disciples and telling them about it, Jesus just appeared before them. And they were frightened. They were alarmed. They thought that it was a ghost or a spirit. And what did Jesus do? He said, no. Touch. Feel, see, does a spirit have flesh and bones? And then if if this wasn't enough, he ate food before them. And the reason for all of this was because he wanted to stress, he wanted to emphasize that the resurrection, the life everlasting, is not some mystical, spiritual thing floating up there in the air that we'll never really understand. We don't become a a vapor uh, after death. The resurrection is physical, and it is real. It is to be seen and touched and felt. Because Jesus, just as he came to earth as a man, even in resurrection, he kept his human appearance. And that brings us to today's sermon. As we talk about here comes the sun, S-O-N, and what the sonship of Jesus Christ means. Over the, the next several weeks, we'll be talking about what it means for him to be the son of God, what it means to have the son, what it means that the son proceeds from the father. But today, I want to talk about what the term son of man means. 
Because this was a term that Jesus used for himself more than any other term. He used it almost exclusively. He always referred to himself as the Son of Man. Over 80 times in the Gospel, he calls himself the Son of Man. What does this mean? What, what, what is to that? He could have called himself anything. He could have called himself King of the Universe. But he called himself Son of Man. Of all the titles that Jesus could have claimed for himself, he chose that one over and over and over again. It's a funny thing about titles. When we claim the most uh, colorful and the most uh, prestigious sounding ones, they don't really do a whole lot for us. I have a friend. His name is Joe. He's a pastor down in, in Valdosta. And Joe uh, uh, went to business school and earned his MBA. He uh, joined the Navy and became a lieutenant. He uh, is, is now a pastor, but he has also served as a chaplain in the Navy and now a chaplain for the, uh, the Valdosta Police Department. And he's also gotten his doctorate of ministry. So he could go by the title... Reverend Dr. Lieutenant Chaplain Joseph A. Buck IV, MBA. <laughs> but he tells people, just call me Joe. Jesus could have done the same thing. He, could have, he, he said all these words, all these phrases that are in Scripture that are pointing to me through the, through the prophets, through the law, uh, through the Psalms, all of these titles. Bring them this way. But he didn't. He called himself the Son of Man. To put this in, in today's thought, uh, the, the king or queen of England, whenever they, are, um, w- whenever they are coronated, whenever they take the throne, they choose a name. Uh, like, like King Charles uh, might not be King Charles. He might have been born with a different name, but then when he takes the throne, he decides he's going to go by, by Charles or, or something like that. Um, but if, if, what if a king were to take the throne and say, I'm not going to go by king anything. It's not going to be Charles or Edward or William or any of those before me. Just call me Bubba. <laughs> it would seem a little strange. And so as we read the scriptures and we think of all the titles that Jesus could have claimed, the fact that he calls himself the Son of Man might seem to us a little bit of a little bit strange but what Jesus was doing was he was he was claiming the title of the firstborn of creation that's what we are told in the scripture that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation and we wonder how can that be if Jesus was begotten and not created well Jesus became a part of this creation Jesus came here to reconcile us to 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 fix what we had messed up through our own sins. Um, Jesus, for lack of a better phrase, became the second Adam. As Paul said, through one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. Through another man's obedience, we are saved. Jesus Christ was the second Adam who became obedient to the point of death on a cross. And by doing that, by becoming a man, by becoming part of humanity, he was able to do that. Billy Graham told a story once about uh, an ant bed that he saw that was messed up and and, uh, sort of kicked over, and the ants were just skirmishing around everywhere. And his son looked at it and said, Dad, I wish we could could get down there and help those ants. 
Billy Graham said, there's no way that we could get down there and help those ants because we're not ants. We don't know what they need. We don't know how to build what they build. But then he realized if he were to become an ant, he could come down there and help those ants rebuild their home. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He became part of the human race so that he could save the human race. So the title, Son of Man is a declaration of Jesus' humanity. It's a way in which he identifies with us. It's a way in which he shows us that he is one of us. He, yes, he is fully God, he is fully divine, but he is also fully human. Now, whenever he used the title, the Son of Man, uh, it, it would sometimes carry specific duties. He would say, the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Or he would say, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Or the Son of Man came to serve. Or the Son of Man would give his life as a ransom. Whenever Jesus is saying this, he's inviting us to be like him. Because he's saying, I have become human like you. And if you share, if you have a share in me, then you can become like me. We talked on Wednesday night a few weeks ago about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And what he did was he, he took the towel and he wrapped it around himself and, and he washed the disciples' feet. Now it made the disciples' feet clean, but it also took all the filth and the grime from their feet and placed it on him, on something that he was wearing. A foreshadowing of what would happen on the cross when he bore our sin and our guilt on himself. And in doing so, in sharing in our crud and our junk, we can share in his righteousness. So when he makes the claim, the Son of Man, he's saying, I have a share in humanity with you. But the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, and so do you. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath, and so are you. The Son of Man has come to minister and serve others, and so have you. Just as the Son of Man can forgive us, we can forgive each other. That's, that's the whole uh, premise behind uh, as we forgive our trespasses, forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus is saying, just as I in this human form can forgive, and heal, and serve, and lay down my life, so you also, in your humanity, can do the same. So the, 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 the title, Son of Man, is not just a declaration of His humanity, but it's also an invitation for us to share in His nature. But I'm going to turn the page just a little bit. I'm going to change things up. The title, Son of Man, isn't just a humble declaration of humanity. It's not exactly like the king saying, call me Bubba, or my friend saying, call me Joe. It was also sort of a tongue-in-cheek way of claiming a title that the scribes and Pharisees would have been very familiar with. Back in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, long before Jesus lived, Daniel had a vision and Daniel said in his vision, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. 
And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So Daniel has, has been given this vision of someone who is like a son of man, a human person, going before God and receiving the universe as his kingdom. The scribes and the Pharisees would have been very familiar with this passage. And so for Jesus to stand before them and refer to himself as the son of man would have been kind of a nudge, kind of a wink, this is who Daniel was talking about. And that's why sometimes they would get very upset when he called himself the Son of Man. Now, this went right over the head of several people. Right? Most people wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten this. But, but those in power, those who were, who were well-studied, those who knew the Scriptures, knew what Daniel had said about one like a Son of Man. And Jesus saying that would have brought that to mind. And in case they missed it, in case they didn't get it, he made some claims about himself as the Son of Man that even point more directly to this prophecy by Daniel. In, in the 13th chapter of Matthew, he says, The Son of Man, he's talking about himself, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And then a few chapters later, he says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then in the Gospel of Mark, he says, They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Now that is, that is very much like what Daniel said when he said he saw one like a Son of Man coming in the clouds with glory. And so what Jesus is saying is this title, which identifies me with you, is also letting you know that I am the one Daniel spoke of long, long ago, the one who will come in the clouds in glory. When John had his revelation, after the death, crucifixion, and ascension of Christ, John was exiled to the island of Patmos. And as he was there, he had the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus showed him what, what the final judgment and the final glory would look like. And what John says is when he saw Jesus, he saw one like the Son of Man. He saw someone in their human form. So Jesus appears to his disciples as, after the resurrection as a human. He appeared to Daniel ages ago as a human. He appears to John uh, when he's showing what the final glory is going to be like. And, and he's a human. He takes on the form of a human. And there we have it. Past, present, and future. Fully divine. Fully God. But still always fully human. That's what it means for him to be the Son of Man. We echo the statement made by the writer of Hebrews that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And although, yes, he is fully God, he is fully divine, he is also fully human. And Jesus has never hid from that. He embraced it. In fact, he repeatedly called our attention to it. Why? So that we can know that he identifies with us in our humanity, 
and that we can identify with him and begin to take on his nature. He reveals this to us so that we can have hope for the restoration, the rejuvenation, and the resurrection of our own bodies, which might fail us, which might hurt us, which might cause us pain. But one day, all that will disappear. We will be resurrected as he is. Isn't that a wonderful thought? I know what it's like to be in pain. I've shared with you all before that I have arthritis in my neck, that that my neck pops and cracks when I move it. Even this morning, it's bothering me a little bit more than usual. And some of y'all kind of, some of you older people kind of scoff at me when I talk about this, like, oh, you, you just wait. You don't know what pain is like. But let, let me remind you of this. I am three years older than Jesus was when he died. So if Jesus can identify with us and our pain and our aches and our ailments, then I can too. I can identify with, with y'all. Y'all can identify with me as part of being human. We all have aches. We all have pains. And Jesus Christ knew that. He experienced them all. He experienced hunger. He experienced the emotional pain that comes with being human. He experienced bodily pain. But he was resurrected. And his body was made whole. And he shows us that. He deliberately shows us that. So that we can know ours one day will be too. It's no accident that his disciples saw him in the flesh. Eating, touching, telling them to feel and see his hands and feet. This was done so that we can know, as human beings, descendants of the first Adam that brought a curse along with him, that we now have hope because of the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Let us pray. Lord, in your mystery... You do things that we don't always understand, things that we might not have thought of. And one of the mysterious things you did through your Son, Jesus Christ, was give him the title of Son of Man. And sometimes it is really confounding for us to try to figure out why he would use that title for himself. But we thank you that he did, Lord, because it reminds us of the nature that we share with Him, the the human aspect that we share with Him. And we thank You that through Him, we can also share that divine nature, that holiness that You offer to all of us. If only we will come to You through Him. Lord, we thank You for the resurrection, for the hope and the promise that it brings. We thank You for new life, eternal life. We pray even as we live out the rest of our days here on earth, Lord, that promise and that hope will fill our hearts so that we can be the body of Christ that is still here on this earth. We pray this in the name of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 189, Fairest Lord Jesus. That's in your United Methodist hymnal.
Please stand if you are able. If you've made a decision of any type today, I'd invite you and encourage you to come forward. And as always, the altar is open for anyone who wishes to spend time there. Hymn number 189, Fairest Lord Jesus.